This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. About a year ago, I think, my son Jack would have been three at the time, had a stretch of time where he was having really terrible nightmares almost every night, sometimes several times a night. He would wake up, come in, crying, Daddy, I had a scary dream, and um, several times per night. And and he and Laura occasionally have nightmares, of course, since then, but it just there was this one stretch where there was just a lot of nightmares, and it was really bad. And, uh, and we started praying hard about it because um, we didn't know for sure what to do, and one night we were getting the kids ready for bed. We looked around, couldn't find Jack anywhere. Called his name, looked around, couldn't find him in the house. I thought, did he go outside? I checked the backyard. Um, hoped he wouldn't just walk out the front door and walk off. He'd never done anything like that before, but could not find him. Finally, one of us heard a noise and we found him hiding behind the bathroom door. And when we found him, it wasn't like usual when he hides. It wasn't like a ha ha, gotcha kind of thing. Like we found him, hey Jack, and he's just kind of sitting there. And I asked, you know, why why didn't you answer when we called you, buddy? He didn't say anything for a minute, I could tell, and then his lips started trembling a little. Jack, what's wrong? Why what's wrong? Why are you hiding, man? And he said, I was hiding because I don't want to go to bed. Well, yeah, okay, toddlers at bedtime, right? Like preschool age kids at bedtime, obviously they don't want to go to bed. But usually he didn't cry about it. Usually he'd just whine, you know. I don't want to go to bed. I didn't get to have three desserts, you know, something like that. But this time it was just like he was trying not to cry and it was different. I asked him, what, what's going on? Why don't you want to go to bed? And he said, if I go to bed, I might have more scary dreams. I've been thinking a lot lately about fear. Fear is a huge motivator for almost all of us at some point or another, isn't it? Fear sells product. Um, A lot of marketing is based on fear, right? Because it works. And I hate it, but it works. Your family is in terrible danger, but if you buy our product, you'll be safe. You are unattractive and unlovable, but if you buy our sweater, it'll make you instantly attractive and lovable and you won't have to fear being alone for the rest of your life. You know, like it's this commercial where they're selling clothes, but really what they're selling is this 30-second long story of a person who's doomed to always be lonely, and then suddenly a magical sweater comes in and fixes everything, and now the fear of being alone is gone, and it's all going to be great now. And it'll only cost you $49.99 at JCPenney to never be alone, right? Fear sells product. It works. And there's this weird commercial that uh, Cindy and I have this uh, cop show that we follow. We, we watch this cop show that's on right now. And, and the way we watch it is through streaming on the Internet. And it's like one of those where I think it's the CBS website or something where they put commercials in a lot through the episode. And there was something weird about this one time we were watching this cop show. And every commercial break, usually they're, they're 15 seconds, 30 seconds, but when it's a medical commercial, you know how they have to give all the disclaimers, like may cause you to grow green hair out your ears or something, you know, may cause convulsions and, and horrible death, you know, all these disclaimers that they try to tack on. And while they're say, while the announcer's saying those really fast, like they put beautiful scenery or beautiful people or something on the screen to distract you from the dangers of this medication, right? 
But for some reason, this time we were watching the, our cop show that we like, there was a medical commercial that was two minutes long, and every commercial break it played it again. And it was for Botox. And um, it had all these people that were like, you know, basically it was selling you, uh, you, you know, if you're getting older, you're losing it. You're, be afraid. But if you get Botox, then, and put these like disturbingly smooth-faced people on the commercial, and they're all like sitting around with a drink in their hands all happy and smooth while the announcer tells you things that are horrible that may happen to you if you get Botox, right? And But fear sells. Like if you fear getting older, just get Botox and your fear will disappear with your wrinkles, right? Buy our security system. If you don't, some criminal is going to break into your house. Your computer has a virus. This is one of my favorites. They call you. It's usually somebody from a distant land. Hello, this is Microsoft Technical Support, right? Your computer has a virus, but if you pay us money, we will come online, take control of your computer, boot out the virus, and put our virus protection software on there. What they're actually doing is taking over your computer and holding it for ransom until you pay 100 bucks or whatever it is they decide to charge you that day. This, okay, I'm Jim the pastor. Now I'm stepping over here to Jim the IT tech support guy, which I don't do full time, so don't call me with all your problems because I'll probably hang up on you, right? But I do this a little bit as part of my job. No one will ever call you if your computer has a virus. Everybody hear that? And please understand, I'm not making fun of anybody because they can be convincing, but they will not call you. Microsoft won't call you. HP, Dell, whatever you want to say. They don't call you if your computer has a virus. They don't have time to pay people to do that. Don't give them your credit card info. Everybody on the same page? Okay, back in the pastor role. Okay. Also, oh, hold on. Also, your Android phone and your iPhone almost definitely don't have a virus. If you get some weird web page, just restart your phone. Restart it completely, okay? All right. Done, I think. That guy can go take a nap. Um, yeah, fear sells, right? Fear also gets votes. Yeah. One of the things I'm most thankful for at Thanksgiving, we're past election season, right? We don't have to see all those commercials. You don't get the cards exactly this big in the mail every day stacked five high, right? Fear gets votes, though. Those mailings made the most preposterous claims. And even when I agreed with the way they were wanting me to vote, some of those made the most ridiculous claims. You know what I mean? This guy voted against kids. The guy doesn't hate kids. Come on. I don't agree with him on 90% of his beliefs, but he doesn't hate kids. Don't. That's, that's so stupid to claim that, right? Don't, don't believe that stuff. You know, my opponent will take all of your money, your land, and your freedom, so you better vote for me. Then the other guy sends his TV commercial out. No, I'm that opponent, and he's lying, and if you vote for him, he'll literally come over to your house, swipe your bank account info, dig into the cheesecake in the fridge, and sell all your financial info to the Russian mafia. Don't vote for him. Fear gets votes. You know, vote for this ballot measure or the terrorists will win. No, vote against the ballot measure or they're going to outlaw apple pie. You know, they hate babies and puppies and freedom in America and, you know, throw all these random accusations around that don't make any sense because it works. It gets votes. Fear gets votes. 
Fear also boosts local TV ratings, right? On a slow news day, what do they do? They fill in with scary stuff. The new danger to your family. Details at 11. Is this man the most dangerous man in Missouri? Color 10, news at 6, right? The secret killers hiding in your home. I actually saw that one lately. It was like some kind of bacteria that might be in the bottom of your fridge. All right, it's in the bottom. It doesn't matter. I don't set my leftover chicken in the bottom because that's what an idiot does, right? Yeah, the secret killers hiding in your home. Our reporters are going to rescue you from these, right? Or, you know, they get even more ridiculous than that. Southwest Missouri may be directly in the path of a meteorite and... Then you find out, no, it's actually going to miss planet Earth by 80 million miles. But they got you to watch. Because fear boasts local TV news ratings, too. Fear does a lot of things. It's a powerful motivator. Hear this, though. Be very, be very careful to hear this. The fears I've talked about so far, most of them are ridiculous or funny. But many fears are not. They're not ridiculous. They're not funny. There are some things that we face that are just genuinely and legitimately terrifying. All through the Bible, over and over again, we're told this. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Have no fear. Take heart, that song that we sang. Don't worry or be afraid. But I noticed something interesting about all those times in the Bible when we're told not to be afraid. There's a distinct difference between the Bible telling you not to be afraid and anyone else telling you not to be afraid. Distinct difference. Because most of the time, when someone's telling you not to be afraid, their reasoning is that your fear is unfounded. Like it's not something that's truly fearful. When, when you're a kid, like uh, my kids are watching Thomas the Tank Engine, right? And one of the train engines was all scared because he had to go through the Whispering Woods. So the other engines told him, okay, you don't have to be afraid of the whispering woods. And they proved it to him by showing him that all these noises that he heard were like a tree, tree branches creaking or an owl hooting or wind whistling through a train tunnel, things like that. So they proved to him, you don't have to be afraid because there's actually no basis for your fear. And then as you get older, you know, your parents tell you, you know, don't be afraid of that snake. The snake's more afraid of you. Don't be afraid of the dark. There's nothing there to be afraid of. There are no monsters under your bed. You you get what I'm saying? Your fears are unfounded. There's nothing in them. And when we're told not to be afraid, you know, as we grow up, we're told not to be afraid of flying because statistically it's the safest way to travel. Your fear is unfounded. It's irrational. We're told we don't have to fear other nations invading us because we have the most powerful, best trained military in the history of the world. And I'm grateful for that, aren't you? that our fears of other nations invading us are, are unfounded. Um, I'm grateful that the most powerful military in the history of the world is trained to protect freedom and peace and not to conquer the rest of the world brutally, right? And, but we're, we're told that our fear of a foreign invasion is unfounded because, you know, there might be a couple of nations that could invade us, but it wouldn't, they wouldn't get very far. And if they got past the military, there's a bunch of Cedar County guys with a bunch of firearms that are ready right behind them, Right? Don't, uh, yeah, don't, I, I am not getting political today, right? Um, but we're told that our fears are unfounded, right? That there's no basis to them. But there's a difference when the Bible tells us not to be afraid. It's never calling you 
ignorant, irrational. It's not saying your fears are unfounded. The Bible gives situation where your fears are well-founded. It is scary. And then it says, don't be afraid. We're going to roll through a bunch of Scripture really fast here, okay? If you are fast with your paper Bible or with your app, I want to challenge you to keep up. But I'm not really going to wait for you because we'll be here till 3 p.m., okay? So uh, we'll put them on the screen, but I don't want you to get lazy with that. Make sure you bring your Bible. Check us out. Make sure that we're teaching the right truth. But uh, we're going to keep rolling pretty fast today. We'll start in Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? Now listen. When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. Now, this is not metaphorical. This scripture is not like some metaphor for like, I'm being attacked because I went to McDonald's. I pulled in the drive through line and somebody came in that first entrance and cut in front of me when clearly the line goes down the side of the building. You're supposed to go to the second entrance. I'm being attacked here. No, this was a real attack. Literally, people were coming and trying to kill them. The nation of Israel was physically, militarily attacked repeatedly over and over again. Literally, their lives were on the line. This isn't some dumb drive-through thing. This is literal danger. And he says, even though a mighty army surrounds me, even if I'm attacked, I will not be afraid. I'll remain confident. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. These are situations, again, where things are bad, right? People are probably dying around them. And yet, even if we're invaded, even if the ground falls out from under your feet, even if whatever... Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, some trust in their insurance policies or their bank account or, their, or in the military, right? And I'm not against any of those things. I am pro-horse, everybody, <laughs> right? Some trust in those things, but our trust is where? In the name of the Lord our God, right? And then... The Old Testament echoes this theme and then Jesus comes onto the scene. He comes into the world. God Himself walking into our neighborhoods, living like we live. And in absolutely terrifying times, He takes up this theme. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, Jesus said to His disciples, let's go over to the other side. And He's talking about the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Leaving the crowd behind, they took Him along just as He was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down. It was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. Then Matthew 14, another story on the Sea of Galilee with a storm. 
But this time the circumstances are different. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now he had sent his disciples out in the boat, told them to cross the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and he stayed behind. Right? Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Luke chapter 12, a completely different kind of fear that Jesus is dealing with in this passage. Verse 22 of Luke 12, Then Jesus said to His disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you'll wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Then a very different kind of fear. Mark chapter 5, verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. So you got a storm at sea, experienced sailors knowing they were about to die, and Jesus flattens the storm. Another storm at sea, this time looking much more grim because they left Jesus behind on the shore, and then the phantom figure appearing on the wave tops, coming toward them on impossible floating feet. And they roar out in terror, but His strong voice cuts through wind and waves. Don't be afraid. Then Jesus lists all the enormous pressures that we have on us, providing ourselves and our families with enough to survive. Food, clothing, shelter, the rest. And He doesn't tell us our fears are unfounded or infantile. He says, you may be poor and needy, but don't be afraid. You're royalty. My Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Then Jesus looks in the face of our greatest fear of all, death itself. A father seized with the greatest horror known to a father. His child is dying. And then, and then she's not just dying. The last end of despair arrives with the messenger. Your daughter is dead. It's too late. Don't bother. It's done. It's over. She's gone. But then Jesus' voice comes through the storm in Jairus' soul and says, Don't be afraid. Believe. 
I've talked to many of you over the past few months who have been struggling with anxiety, fear of many things. And I want you to know that today this message isn't aiming at you. I'm not not poking your, your wounds. I don't see you as weak or ignorant or whatever if you struggle with anxiety and fear. Sometimes there's medical conditions that cause this kind of thing too. And I know you're not choosing this. It's nothing. You don't want to have fear and anxiety. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not up here throwing rocks at you if, you if you struggle with this. There are lots of causes for stress and worry and fear. And it's really easy for people like me to go around pointing out how ridiculous other people's fears and worries are. I would just caution all of us today, be really careful about ridiculing other people's fears, right? Because you've got some. Some of you might say, man, I ain't afraid of nothing. I got my friend Smith and my friend Wesson, right? <laughs> but it's, it, some of you might say, man, I'm not afraid of anything. I would just say maybe, maybe a five-minute conversation with uh, one of our local co- counselors would be enough to show you that, man, you've got a lot of fears. Maybe they're buried more deeply than others, but you got some. So be really slow to ridicule other people's fears, right? Besides, I've, I've noticed how crazy it is that, man, there's some people that are so full of courage and I admire them so much, and then they are just brought up short by fears that, that seem to me to be ridiculous. Man, I haven't walked where they walk. I thought about this, and since the Chiefs have a bye week and we're left in this desert, this desolate desert of no football for, you know, 13 days. i got to talk about the Chiefs a little bit. Eric Berry, Chiefs player, probably going to be in the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest safeties in football. He's been injured all year. They're saying he's going to start practicing this week. He might play against the Raiders. We're all excited if you're a Chiefs fan, right? Eric Berry, one of the greatest safeties to play. He delights in running at top speed. He's fast. He's strong. Runs at top speed and plows into 300-pound guys who, who are out to do him harm, right? Absolutely fearless on a football field. And terribly skilled at what he does. Just one of the most athletically gifted men in the world. Eric Berry. There's this thing. You can look it up. You can Google it. Don't do it on your smartphone now. Keep your phones holstered, gentlemen. But you can look it up on Google. There's a video where they documented this. Eric Berry has an irrational fear of horses. And the Chiefs have a horse that's like a mascot that they bring out at Arrowhead. And he is deathly afraid of that thing. When the horse comes out and, like, they ride it out on the field with a big flag and stuff. And, man, Eric Berry, like, he wants to be buried in, like, five layers of his teammates behind, between him and that horse. He's like, man, I don't mess with no horse. No, don't get that horse close to me. Then in this little thing that they did, the lady who, like, trains the horse and everything, they... You know, on an off day, they brought it out. They wanted Eric Berry to come out and meet it. And he's like sitting way up in the stands like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Eric Berry, Eric Berry, probably a future Hall of Famer in football. He's afraid of horses. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Well, you go up and look him in the face and tell him it's ridiculous. <laughs> I ain't going to, right? Sometimes it's really easy to ridicule other people's fears. And yeah, it's... Sometimes it's entertaining because it makes us feel better about ours, right? But be really slow to ridicule other people's fears. They might not make any sense to you, but let's make a deal, okay? The rest of the time here, 
whatever we talk about with fear, worry, anxiety, don't be thinking about somebody else that needs to hear this. Okay? Deal? Focus on maybe where God has called you and your fear has held you back. Focus on maybe something you need to surrender, but you're afraid to let it go. Let's focus and let the Holy Spirit maybe speak through His Word to us. Okay? Not to somebody else who needs to hear this. Why are you afraid today? Whatever it is, Jesus is not calling you an idiot. He's not ridiculing your fears. He's inviting you to do what Pastor Joe's been talking about the last couple of weeks. Rediscover Jesus. That's the key to our fears. Rediscover Jesus. Realize who it is who's telling you not to be afraid. I could tell you not to be afraid, but I'm not the one who can calm storms, make death turn backwards. Jesus is the one who's calling us. He says, why are you afraid? Don't you realize who I am? Don't you realize who you're following? Then right before the cross, John 14, 27, Jesus said this to his disciples. He knew he was about to be killed. And he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. So right now, if you've been listening to everything else I've said, you might be thinking, okay, great, don't be afraid. That's easy to say, but how do we do it? How do we move on from our fear? How do we obey when Jesus is calling us not to be afraid? I could say some easy things that wouldn't get you very far, right? I could tell you something I hear people say a lot. God won't give you anything you can't handle, which is a lie. God will absolutely give you more than you can handle, way more. He won't give you more than He can handle. Amen? Isn't that, isn't that fantastic? I could tell you, just choose faith instead of choosing fear. Well, that's, I, yeah, it's kind of good advice. But you're still going, okay, but how? Right? Advice like that doesn't help much, but we've been talking about rediscovering Jesus. And I'd say if we're going to defeat fear in our lives, that's exactly what we need to do. Rediscover Jesus. If we know Him more, our fear becomes weaker and weaker. So how do we rediscover Jesus and defeat fear? You have to know Jesus, right? You have to follow Him. First step, you have to make a decision to follow Him. If you have not surrendered your life to Him, if you haven't asked Him to forgive your sins, if you haven't given yourself to Him, you can't know Him. You can know about Him, but it's like me knowing about Eric Berry and even having a little inside insight on his fear, right? But I don't know him. Like if I text him, somebody gave me his number and I text him, he's just going to block me, right? He doesn't know who I am, right? If you know about Jesus, but you don't know him, if you haven't surrendered your life to him, then asking him for help with your fear isn't going to get you very far because you won't know him. And knowing him, rediscovering him is the key to this thing. So step one, surrender your life to him. And when you take that first step, that's a courageous step. Defeating fear takes courage. So you take that first step of surrendering everything of you to Him. And then the next step is just trust and obey Him when He calls you to something. 
If your Bible has been sitting on the shelf, by the way, that's your biggest weapon against this thing because that's how you get to know Him. Jesus is the living Word and He's revealed through the Bible, the written Word. And so if... I understand these things happen and we don't mean for them to happen, but you accidentally just get out of the habit of reading your Bible, okay? You're leaving your greatest weapon on the shelf here. I'm not throwing this out here as like a condemning, you are not reading your Bible. Well, you are just a terrible person. I'm saying, no, that's, that's your weapon. Don't leave that sitting there. That's how you're going to defeat this because you, you surrender your life to Him. You start following Him, right? And if you're going to follow somebody, you've got to start following them. That's super deep, isn't it? You're going to follow somebody, you've got to start, okay? So you do that. But then the next step of following them is if you're going to follow somebody, you've got to keep following them. Way, way deep, profound stuff that I'm teaching you today, right? Start following them and keep following Him. Step one, you've got a journey started. Step two, you got a direction. And every little step after that is a tiny little courageous choice of obedience and trust instead of giving in to your fear. So you got step one, decide to follow Him. Step two, obey Him. Keep following Him. Dig into His Word. Let Him reveal Himself to you. The disciples had the living Word with them. They got to follow Him everywhere He went. Totally not fair. I wish that was me, right? But we've got the written word where he gets revealed, the living word. Jesus gets revealed to us through his written word. We have it. God is available. And when we rediscover Jesus, who he is, how he thinks, how he speaks and acts and works, when we start following him, every little step of obedience and courage leads to the next one. Where his disciples left their nets and followed him. That was step one for the, the ones that were fishermen. You understand what I'm saying? But then after that, they had to keep following him. When people left and weren't following him anymore because he said some unpopular stuff, they had to keep following him. A step of courage, a step of obedience. And they got to know him better and better until finally they got to know him as the guy who blasted wind and waves into nothing. They got to know him as the guy who turned death backwards and raise dead people to life. They got to know Him as the one who raised to life Himself after three days. And all those little steps following Him, literal steps on the dusty roads of Galilee, led to their knowing Him in such a way that they became one with Him, that that they experienced His perfect love that casts out fear. When you get to know someone better, It's often a gradual revelation. But as you trust Jesus more in your life, doing that one little thing at a time with great obedience and great love for Him, little things with great love, you're made stronger. You know Him better for the next step. Each step makes you more of a living sacrifice, transforming you into His perfect love that drives out fear. uh, 1 John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Then, go to Psalm 56.3. This is a great verse to memorize because it's short and easy and it's really profound. And you're not taking it out of context when all you memorize is this. When I am afraid... 
I put my trust in You. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in You. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Isaiah 12, verse 2. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord Himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. We choose trust. We choose obedience. Because He's our courage, our strength, our defense, our power, our love, our salvation. The song we sang earlier that Ryan quoted in his prayer, that God our refuge, God our strength, God our hope, our freedom... He's the one we trust. Jesus' disciples knew this journey. They began to discover who He really was. They got to know Him as the Lord of sea and sky and wind and death itself and life. And then finally, at the end of His life, the Apostle John saw a vision of Jesus revealed in all His power and glory. Look at Revelation chapter 1, and we're going to read kind of a chunk here starting at verse 12. Revelation 1 verse 12. John says, I turn around to see the voice that was speaking to me. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Right? That guy that it just described? When you see him, you're done, right? Then he placed his right hand on me. Remember the one that was holding seven stars? That hand gets placed on him. And he says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades or death and hell. Freedom from fear comes when we rediscover Jesus. Peter and John followed Jesus, obeyed Him in the little things, finally saw Him as the Lord of all, the living one who was dead and now is alive forever and ever. And those guys, it changed them forever. They became fearless, world-changing firebrands of truth. The night Jack was hiding behind the bathroom door at bedtime, we talked to him. We told him, you need to tell Jesus about your fears. I got an embarrassing confession for you. It was a little bit tough for me to tell Jack with full confidence. You know, Jack, if you tell Jesus about your fears and ask him to help you, he will help you. I am embarrassed to admit to you, but I was a little... Hesitant to say that definitely, right? Because I was worried that Jack would be disappointed in Jesus. What? It was my lack of faith, obviously. I don't want him to be disappointed in Jesus. I don't want to teach my kids that Jesus is like a genie or give them whatever they want or like Santa Claus even that's like keeping track of good and bad and all that. I don't want them to be disappointed in Jesus. I don't want them to learn that he's like a scary judge character or any of the manipulative things that Jesus isn't. I want them to know who He is. But you know who He is? You know what He does say? He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Right? He says, don't be afraid. And so I was able with confidence, after I wimped out for a little bit, right? I was able with confidence to say, Jack, Jesus will never leave you. He is always with you. He's even God in your dreams. 
And so now what we say with Jack is, Jesus is always with me, even in my dreams. And you know what happened that night when we prayed? And, and since then, Jack's had some bad dreams here and there. But it's nothing like it was during that period where it was like multiple times a night. That night when we prayed, the night he hid behind the bathroom door, the next morning we woke up, we asked him if Jesus helped him with his dreams. And his face lit up and he said, yeah, I dreamed I was the little boy. And Jesus said, will you share your lunch with me? And I said, yeah. And he had the numbers wrong, I can't remember, but he said, I gave him like three breads and five fish or something like that. He had the numbers wrong, so probably excommunicate him, right? Heretic, but... You know what I think happened in that dream? I think Jesus answered a little boy's prayers. Some of you are more sentimental and you're totally on board with that. You're like, yeah, what a sweet little boy. Of course he answered his prayer. Others of you are more cynical. I admit that's me. And you're like, no, you just primed him with what stuff to think about before bed so he had a better dream. No, I will fight you. (laughs) I think Jesus answered a little boy's prayers. Because Jesus is always with us, even in our dreams. Jesus is always with us, even in fill in the blank. Jesus is always with us when things go south, when our relationships are out of control, when we cannot mend that breach in our family, when finances are gone, when fill in the blank. Jesus is always with us, even when death itself visits our homes. Some of you need your prayers answered so desperately today and your fear is strangling you. Take that first step. Rediscover the Savior whose voice still cuts through sea and wind, who calls to you in impossible storms, who calls through disaster, through grief, through death itself and says, don't be afraid. The one who places His right hand on you and says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now, look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and hell. He is the living one, and He's here. Do not be afraid. Have no fear. He is here. Have no fear. He is here. Have no fear. He is here today. Would you stand? We are going to pray. And and as we do... I know that many of you here today are in vastly different places on your journey of faith. For some of you, you have not taken the first step of asking Jesus to forgive your sins, surrendering your life completely to Him. If you were honest with yourself and with God, you'd have to admit that you're far from Him. And I would say for you, the way for you to deal with your fear is to first of all take that courageous first step of surrender to Jesus. And if you are far from Him, if you would have to admit that today, I realize you may, that's going to take a lot of courage because you've probably built up some walls to protect yourself from ever being hurt again. You've probably been through some stuff. And if you're far from Him, the first step for you is just to say, Jesus, I surrender. That is a tiny little step that takes tremendous courage but He's willing to give you that courage that you need. Some of you need to make that step today. Others of us, you've been following Jesus. You are following Jesus. 
And the next step for you is to choose that tiny little step of obedience and courage of knowing Jesus, rediscovering. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.